0: where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition.
1: Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. What is going on, you weekly warriors? Welcome to episode 140. And on today's episode, we have the Epic conclusion to the trilogy of episodes about Benedict Arnold, and I'm joined here with my wonderful, beautiful, handsome, smart, all the things under the sun
0: co-host, Bones. How you doing, buddy? Good. Good to be back in the booth with you. Happy to finish off this trilogy. It's sure to be better than some other trilogies out there, so (laughs) happy to be here. Thank you. How you doing?
1: I'm great. I, uh, this week was a big week. I uh, really got after it. And then today I had my first experience in a jujitsu gym. And uh, my throat kind of hurts from getting choked out, but life yeah. is good. <laughs> hey, you know, every good man's got to get a nice
0: choked out every once in a while.
1: I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for the journey that this is going to take me on because I, man, I loved it. It was so much fun and cool. uh, can't wait to do more. But real quick, before we dive into it, we're going to talk about Apsy Farms. If many of you, know who've been listening to the Weekly Warrior for any period of time, know that we love good food, good meats, good God, let's eat. And uh, Apsi Farm, Apsi Farms provides our meats here at the Mueller household. And let me tell you what, in the beautiful rolling hills of Reed City, Michigan is nestled Apsi Farms, about 350 pristine acres of rolling pasture where the the cows are happy, the pigs are happy, and the chickens are even happier. And that translates into your food and the environment. And I'm not going to get into all the, the stuff that I normally do today because we're diving right into the, the end of the trilogy. But I'm going to tell you this. You go to Apsyfarms.com right now. You do it right now. And you build your box. You build your meat box. You can put whatever meats you want in there. There's bacon. There's burger. There's beef. There's all sorts of balls. Whatever you want. (laughs) Turn into uh, country boy there. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to go and check out. And you're going to use code (laughs) WARRIOR10 at checkout. That's going to get you 10% off your first order. And let me tell you what. You're not going to regret this. You're not going to regret it at all. It's good for you. It's good for the environment. It's good for your family. And if you can't find or if Apsi Farms won't deliver to you. So if you can't find Apsi Farms or they won't ship to you because you live just a little bit outside their radius, you're going to go to eatwild.com and find a a local pastured farm near you. Support Support a local farmer. You won't regret it. It'll be good for you. And I'll tell
0: you what, Bones, let's get into this shit. Let's do it. So if you have joined us this far, this is part three of... Benedict Arnold. The first two parts were about his young life and his military appointments in the American Army. This is going to take a bit of a darker turn, so strap in. And we are starting this journey on May 30th, 1778. (laughs) Arnold was appointed military governor of Philadelphia on May 28th two days later he swore the new loyalty oath that Congress enacted all military leadership to take it stated quote to support maintain and defend the United States of America with fidelity according to the best of my skill and understanding end quote he took that oath So Philadelphia was recently abandoned by the British, and Arnold was now tasked with aiding and rebuilding it, maintaining order and showing leadership for the American cause. For all that Arnold was great on the battlefield, he really wasn't a politician. He did not get along with these guys, and now he's going into this military governorship. Uh, His leg was still healing from the Battle of Saratoga. If you remember what we talked about there, he uh, had his horse killed. The horse fell on him and had his femur shattered from a, a bullet. Um, So he really wasn't fit to ride a horse. Um, On paper, this was a really good appointment for Arnold because it was not non-military action. Philly was basically divided between loyalists and patriots. And even the patriots were divided into moderates and radicals. Although the Pennsylvanians ultimately agreed on the Declaration of Independence, there was a lot of debate between the radicals and the moderates until the final vote got cast in Congress. So this whole city, Philly at the time, was the capital of the colonies. It's where everything was, um, and they're pretty well divided. The British occupied it for eight months, something like that, and finally now they're, they're leaving. Um, they basically, when they left, abandoned the loyalists in Philly. Washington, George Washington, wanted the loyalists left behind to have some sort of protection from Congress, but Congress refused to protect these people. He wanted this because Loyalists still served a vital part of the economy, but because these Loyalists were terrified of the British leaving, they took what they could with them and fled in mass exodus. As the British and these Loyalists left, they set everything that they could on fire in the city. Houses, everything. Um, so the locals cheered when Arnold arrived. He's a very well-known. He's a hero at this point. Uh, the like his, his men loved him. Everything we talked about in episode two is, is coming with him to Philadelphia. Won the battle of Saratoga. Uh, he won the battle of Saratoga and that was Gates took credit for that. Yeah. Remember Horatio Gates? Yeah. So among like the you know, politicians and all that uppity ups,
1: I had a real quick, I had a listener, I had a listener send me a quote of his own that he wanted me to share. And all it was Horatio Gates was a pussy.
0: Is that Dan? No. <laughs> Who's that? Just my uncle say? Cam. <laughs> oh, nice.
1: Yeah, he uh he agreed. Horatio Gates is a little bitch. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, man. He, he 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 didn't fight at all. And we go listen to him. you. You've been through episode two. He was a pussy. Um yeah. So what he, What Arnold found when he arrived to Philadelphia was a total of 600 homes and buildings burnt, piles of garbage and excrement blocking alleyways and courtyards. Uh, public building and churches were stripped, and shops were boarded up with a high volume of goods and rations rotting in the streets. British soldiers took over homes and cut holes in the floors to shit in. <laughs> Hell
1: yeah.
0: Hell yeah. That's it. Fucking... British soldiers. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin's home was occupied by a man named John Andre, who stole many valuable belongings when they fled. As people returned to these homes and streets, they were horrified. So with the British occupying Philadelphia, a lot of the American, uh, American people that supported the, the cause, they fled because they were, would would have been prisoners of war. So they were like, you know, out of there. Yep. So they were coming back now as the British were leaving and they're terrified of what they what they saw their homes turn into. I mean, British were cutting holes and shitting in the floors. I governor, just gonna take a shit in this hole, will we? Yeah, Make it a little bigger for the next one then. <laughs> On top of that, the division between the moderate and radical patriots was deep. Arnold was first tasked with taking inventory of everything in the city. Of course he was. <laughs> So, if you ever like his whole deal was like, yeah, he has to keep inventory of everything. They're making this guy do the most dumb, not it's not the most dumb, but the most tedious shit. It's like, go color coordinate the files. It's stuff that he doesn't want to do. Yeah. And it's stuff that he could easily delegate to a lot of different people uh, instead of like the guy who's supposed to be leading the army. So, with this new appointment in such a large and important city. And the overall incredible support Arnold had with troops everywhere, Congress was worried about Arnold trying to take over. So, Congress authorized what were basically watchdogs out on any officers to monitor behavior and report any, quote, uh, reprehensible conduct as a means to keep everyone in line. Basically, they sent out people and they made a council of these people to, like, keep an eye on Arnold to make sure he's not trying to lead a revolt. Sure. Arnold grew pissed off and resentful of his sacrifices in war. While many of the quote patriots lived a laid back life and profited off the war and mm-hmm. never saw battle, like people in Philadelphia, uh, he felt that he'd earned a right to live comfortably. He was in constant pain, grievously wounded, and dealt with ongoing gout. While Arnold was in Philly, he took over the former British General's HQ, he refurbished it, and he was escorted around the city in a coach and four. Uh, just as the former general, British general had. So he's living good. He's got a nice house, got this escort, he's got horse, buggy, doing good. Uh this was resented by Congress. Congress is like, what the hell? You don't deserve that. He also fought, uh he also fought to replenish his fortune that he spent on the war effort. Remember, he funded many of these things on his own.
1: Yep. It's like ten thousand of his own dollars or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think. I can't remember how much it was.
1: He said Congress had to pay or Congress said that he had to pay back like 9,000 of his own dollars because he was asking yeah. for that. And they
0: said he had to pay that. Right. I think it was at Ticonderoga was it all when it all began? Yeah. Where he was like, uh, he was like funding Give everything. My, he got all those yep. boys coats and everything. Yeah. Um, everything in Montreal and Quebec. And they said, no, you owe us money. So yeah, he's trying to replenish that fortunately that lost. And all of these things offended the watchdogs, the the, co- the council that was keeping an eye on him. It was about this time that he met a nice young lady. Her name was Peggy Shippen. She was 18, hot stuff, and was from a prominent family that stayed in the city during the British occupation. So remember, his former wife was Peggy. His new wife is Peggy as well. Well, they're not wife yet, but... So... Her family, they were rich and distinguished, one of the most well-educated in America. She was a quick-witted and intelligent lady. She and her family of brothers, sisters, and fathers stayed in the city during the British occupation where Peggy frequented officers' parties, galas, and functions. She fell in love with that high life, and she was very well known around the British as, like, just the hottest chick, just the baddest baddie of them all. <laughs> uh, so. And she's, like, going to galas, and, like, she fell in love with that life. The British occupation in Philly was basically just a giant party that left the Mm. city in ruins. So, like, freshman year of college, no classes. You got to cut (laughs) holes in the floors and shit in them. Yeah. Sounds like my freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Shit. Shit it and farted. Shit it and farted everywhere. So... There was no war. There was just like they're occupying the city. Um, So Peggy's family faced the wrath of Congress as they were seen as loyalist when the British left. People grew pretty unhappy with Arnold and his post in Philly. Uh, Like I said, he's trying to, he took over this HQ. It's like the nicest house in the city. He's doing this buggy. The city's in disarray. It's kind of an impossible situation for anybody that would go into it. But he's just not looking too good at this point. He wrote to Washington saying he wanted a naval post instead, since he, is, uh, he loves the sea. But Washington was like, eh, well, seems like you're doing okay and your wounds are healing, so I can't really do anything about that now. But uh, you're my best field officer. I don't want to lose you to the Navy as well. So he didn't want to give him a Navy post because then he'd be fucked off and he's like the best officer. Right. Uh, Arnold will remain with his post, uh, but this missed opportunity to send Arnold away was a grave mistake for all involved in the American cause. Arnold was doing things in Philadelphia to recuperate his lost fortune. So, Congress wanted him to keep shops closed and shut until he took inventory of everything. Instead, he used funds to renovate the shop and reopen them to sell goods at his profit. Though this is debated, if it actually happened and if profits took place, people were talking. There were rumblings about Arnold's misdeeds taking place, He's riding this coach with Buggy and he's just he's taking profits when people are like, dude, there's shit in my floors. Yeah, my walls. there's shit all over the walls.
1: He's playing Lord and there's shit everywhere.
0: Yeah. 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 And yeah, people are getting pissed. So it, it appears confusing because Arnold is being accused of doing things that would set him up for personal profit. But at the same time, he wants to get out of Philadelphia. He hates it. He wants to go to the Navy. He sends Congress a plan to take over some islands under British control that would disrupt shipping, but Congress ultimately said no. People continue to resent Arnold in Philly because of these watchdogs blowing up his every move to the public. So uh, Arnold was just like, you don't want to send me to the Navy? Fuck you. You don't want to repay me? Fuck you. I'm going to retire. Effective immediately. So he starts looking for land in New York. He's just hobbling around on a cane. He can't walk. He can't stand up on his own. He's in rough shape. And he's just like, I don't deserve this. I'm gonna leave. I'm out. I'm out this bitch. Hi, Dan. I'm out. <laughs> but in February seventeen seventy-nine, these watchdogs slash the council drew up eight formal charges against Arnold. They had to do with profiteering and were sent to General Washington and were also sent to the public newspaper, which everyone read. They demanded his removal and punishment. The council made copies of their charges and sent them to every governor in every state. Other charges from Arnold's past, such as the looting in Montreal, were brought along for the newspaper. They questioned Arnold's liberty and commitment to America. The guy that couldn't walk hobbles around with a crutch, has a broken family, and destroyed business. That guy doesn't like America. And he
1: sacrificed all that in the name of
0: a free America. Yeah. Yeah. Washington still has his back, and he knows the truth. That it's all basically bullshit, political slander. Benedict and young Peggy got married and she was soon having his first child. It was also at this time. So Benedict is like in his forties at this point, Peggy's 18, which is cool. Uh, but like Benedict is just a bit older and like, that's where he's at in life. Uh, he's kind of ready to be done. It was also at this time that Benedict wanted to be, wanted to be court-martialed with the council from George Washington in order to clear his name. Their thinking was that his fellow field officers will clear his name and that it will be shown his time in Philly was squandered by political banter. So a court-martial soon came. So the idea was like, court-martial me. And the people that are going to be in that court-martial, I fought with and bled with. And George Washington is going to appoint those people. And I'm going to clear my name because I'm not profiting off of anything here. This whole city's a shithole. Right. Literally. Yep. Uh, so that's the thinking. That's what they're going to do. So a court-martial happens. So usually court-martials are for officers who abandon a fort, uh, which is an act of cowardice. But as Arnold has proven, he was not a coward, and he was in fact the country's best general. He was accused of using his post in Philly to enrich himself. He realized that his position in military governor was a horrible appointment, and now he had yet again to clear his name and restore his honor. I think that anybody going into that situation as described would have been unsuccessful with how the British left that city. Yeah. I think people in Philadelphia are still pissed off about that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably vindictive, vindictive people over there in
0: Philly. They threw snowballs at Santa Claus for God's sake. Yeah. They threw snowballs at Santa Claus. They throw batteries at, at football athletes and baseball athletes. <laughs> their fans are horrible. <laughs> yeah. They're still pissed off about British shitting on their floors. It's a generational trauma. It truly is. Yes. Um, I've never been to Philadelphia. I don't know anything about it, um, but so yeah, he realized horrible. So he's got to clear his name. The court martial went on for months. So basically like what's going on is they say, okay, we're doing a court martial. And then Washington has to postpone it because there's a war and he can't give up officers for a, a court-martial. Right. And then like, postpone it for six months and then postpone it again and again and again. He's getting pushed off. He's just anxiously waiting to have his side heard. He just wants to clear his name because all this shit's out in the newspaper that he's a horrible person. Proof was requested of his misdeeds, to which none was provided because it didn't mm. exist. Six right. of the eight charges were dropped at that point. These watchdogs, the council in Philly, were outraged and managed to overturn this and had a total of four charges continued for the court-martial. Pennsylvania threatened with Congress with secession if Arnold's was not tried. Wow. Fucking think about that. A whole state was like, no, we're not going to be America if Arnold doesn't pay for what he's done. Yeah. So this is where we get... And he's not even... It wasn't even like an abandonment of the city. He came to the city to try to Do a job.
1: Yeah, right. The military governor.
0: The biggest charge was that Arnold used 12 public wagons to escort goods and supplies from a fort that was being threatened by the British. If he ignored the call for help, those supplies may have been overtaken by the British. So he sent out these public wagons to gather supplies. The thing that they accused Arnold of using was the thing that they accused Arnold of doing was using the wagons to transport back goods so that he could sell them for his own profit. But there was no evidence of this. So months went by and they couldn't produce any evidence. He continued to live in Philadelphia even though he resigned his post in March. So he's no longer military governor. He resigned. With With the publicity of his charges, locals often harassed him and worried. He worried about Peggy. They thought he was a friend to the loyalists because of his marriage to Peggy. Peggy's family were loyalists. So, it's, it's these radical patriots that are, uh, are after Arnold, and the loyalists especially whereas the moderates saw the loyalists as, as people who didn't need to be punished because they had value in their economics, the rebuilding of the city, and the future. They're people in America. We'll take them along for the ride. The radicals basically said, fuck them, they like the British, and also you moderates should be hung. The moderate, James Wilson, who was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, had a long list of men that he defended in court that were accused of treason by the radical patriots. Hmm. So he he grew extremely unpopular among a lot of people in Philly this James Wilson. Wilson was the leader of the moderate patriots and Arnold was a large supporter. So this radical anger grew to a violent mob in 1779. All of the moderate leaders were were surrounded at Wilson's home by a mob and militia of over 200 radical patriots. The crowd grew up to 400 men who were angry with the current economic status and thought it was due to a loyalist plot Mm. so at the time Congress basically was just printing money they were printing 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 a fuck ton of money which took the currency value way down so basically by the time officers and generals got paid they could buy like a pair of shoes for the year and by the time the soldiers got paid they couldn't buy anything it was useless their money was useless so they're Mm. pissed And they think it's because of the loyalists and the moderates. They're like, it's a conspiracy type of thing. Yeah. Uh, So, so they surrounded their house. They're all inside shots were fired between the house and the mob. The mob broke down the door and Colonel chambers, a moderate was killed. James Wilson, and others stacked furniture against the door to hold the Angry mob back. Arnold heard the commotion and made his way to Wilson's home. He pulled out his pistols and was surrounded being pelted with stones. The radical leader, uh, last name of Reed, yelled to Arnold, you have no more voice in the military affairs of this city. The mob was quelled by the army who came in. Though many men lay dead, and the response was that all inside the home were arrested, including Arnold. Two days later, Benedict was again attacked by a mob, to which he defended himself with his pistols. So, at this point... He wrote to Congress asking for for protection. He wanted a group of small guards to come. The state of Pennsylvania didn't offer him any, and he feared for his life. So he wanted some continental troops stating that this request, I presume, will not be denied a man who has so often fought and bled in defense of his country. It was denied.
1: Yeah, of course it was.
0: I don't think anything's surprised. Nothing's getting past you anymore.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's just a trail of... Let's fuck over Benedict Arnold and see what happens.
0: And let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, they're probably getting all these letters. Well, let's see what happens with this one. Yeah, we're going to continue to stab him in the back and
1: see how long he plays.
0: Mm, Good boy. Good boy. (laughs) Run along now, Benny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Run along back to Walgreens. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Charmed. Mm, That's Philadelphia. Um, So. Benedict's court-martial was finally set to begin. It was worth noting that there were, also, were, were so many officers that were court-martialed at this time. If like anything went wrong at a fort or any number of men died, you were court-martialed. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of these offers, officers were acquitted of their charges. The difference is that Benedict is being court-martialed partially voluntarily, but his charges that were seriously brought to him were for using 12 public wagons for allowing a ship to enter harbor without permission, for shutting down shops in Philly when he arrived, which is something that Washington wanted him to do, but he allowed purchases that benefited him. That's the charge. And basically using the army to take control of the city, which he's a military governor. That was kind of the mission to go restore order. Yep. Uh, So he's getting charged for what he was supposed to do. So anyway, the jury made uh, made up of men who served with Arnold and who liked him, and they came back with their verdict after hearing a bunch of witnesses and hearing Arnold talk. It actually was kind of, it uh, seemed like a lengthy court-martial, but I'm not going to get into details. He was found guilty. He was found guilty of this court-martial for allowing a ship to enter harbor and using 12 public wagons. The punishment was a reprimand from George Washington. This, was, this didn't seem like a big deal like to us. We're like, oh, a reprimand. Uh, but it was a huge blow to Arnold back in the yeah. George said, hey, man, don't do that anymore. It was, it was that, but it was a little bit more. So because it wasn't a personal reprimand. The whole no. country had to know.
1: It was like a public rep- reprimand.
0: Yeah, it was basically, and they're like best friends. Arnold, like, trust this guy. Yeah. Washington loves him. Yeah. And now he, I think his expectation would be Washington has always had his back and gone against Congress for him. And now Congress is like, no, you need to get your dog, you need to get your boy, dude, and tell him that he's an idiot in a way, and then tell him he's wrong and he's guilty. Yeah. So it was a blow to Arnold. uh, Because also, he he wanted to take this court martial to clear his name because George Washington was like, yes, do this. I'll appoint the people and you should be cleared because this is all hearsay. Um, there was no supported evidence of any of what was accused, really, so Washington had to go on record and hold Arnold accountable in a letter that could be read uh, read or seen anywhere. He stated that his use of the wagons was quote reprehensible, imprudent, and improper. Washington also wrote a private personal letter to Arnold in order to console him on this in this, he states that Arnold is their most valuable commander in the army and he will quote furnish him with opportunities for regaining the esteem of your country Mm -hmm. by the way congress still owed him years of salary on the day he resigned his military governor position which was demanded of him Mm -hmm. he wrote to washington again asking to be placed this time as a soldier as soon as he was fit so he's just He's kind of all over the place. He's like, I'm retiring. I want to get after it with the Navy. want to get after it as a soldier or want to retire. Yeah,
1: He didn't want to deal with the bullshit. He just wanted to work. He just wanted to do the things. He didn't want to deal with politics or whatever. He, I, that's the way I see it. Like, just let me fight yeah. for my country. I don't want to deal with all this
0: other shit. Yeah, it is. It's a bunch of shit that's just coming down the tunnel. And he's just forced to open his butthole and take it
1: And, and shit into butthole
0: shit into butthole. And none of us were there, but thinking back to the situation and what the city was, who the fuck, who could have possibly turned that into something better except for time time. Yeah. And just getting a few things in order. But this guy was here for, he was there for about 10 months. So, it's, it's just crazy what they're doing to him. So, he wrote to him, like, hey, let me be a soldier. He, let me go to the Navy. Both were denied. His request to have a small guard to protect him from the growing radical threat in Philadelphia was denied. Politicians sent ch- charges and smeared his name in newspapers. His court-martial was summoned five days before his wedding to Peggy and days before Hannah and his sons were to arrive to begin family life together. George Washington told Benedict to volunteer to be court-martialed as it would clear his name. And here he sits guilty. Guilty as charged with no evidence of his personal enrichment that was stated in the charges. He can't stand on his own. He can barely walk, but still wanted to fight for the American cause. When found guilty, Congress insisted on a public punishment via Washington's letter. It was around this time that Benedict Arnold was contacted by a British representative, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Christopher Heel, or Healy, I don't know, who was on a peace agreement mission. Arnold invited him to visit. <laughs> Let's see how this turns out. Yeah. So <laughs> this guy brought a letter that was written by Colonel Beverly Robinson, commander of the Loyal American Regiment, which was... a. British regiment composed of loyalists. They fought for the British side, side, but they're not from England. They're Americans, and they're, they're like American. That, that's yeah, they're we're...
1: colonists. Yeah,
0: yes, that want to fight for the British, right? They, like want Britain, Great Britain, to stay in power in America. Yep. Yeah. So their goal was to recruit Americans that had been turned away or quote disenchanted by the American cause. Colonel Robinson was a former friend of Washington and he owned an estate. He owned a house near West Point with many friends in that area. The letter was designed to appeal to the patriotism of the rebels, stating the rebels basically just wanted quote, happiness in their country. At this point, the British were offering everything they could render the colonies happy. Quote, an American assembly, freedom of commerce, blessing of a good government, the letter, to Arnold, then reminds of the present situation. An endless war, needless suffering, and an American America in desolation. Philadelphia. He asks Arnold, basically, if he would chase the liberty of America, even if it means her destruction by means of war. And how soon, after winning liberty, would that liberty turn to lewdness, if not under the safeguard of the European power. Britain. Will you rely upon the guarantee of the French? The letter asks. So if you remember back to part one, Benedict hates the French, going Mm -hmm. back to the French and Indian war. This letter from, from Robinson directly appealed to Arnold as the one man who can bring peace to America and end the war. So basically he says, there is no one but General Arnold who can surmount obstacles so great as these. A man of so much courage will never despair of the Republic even when every door to a reconciliation seems sealed. Render then, brave general, this important service to your country. The colonies cannot sustain much longer the unequal strife. Your troops are perishing in misery. They are badly armed, half-naked, and crying for bread. The efforts of Congress are futile against the exhaustion of the people. Your fields are untilled. Trade languishes... Learning dies the neglect of a whole generation is an irreparable loss to society. The youth torn by thousands from their rustic pursuits or useful employments are mown down by the war, such as survive have lost the vigor of their prime or are maimed in battle. Hmm. So they're, they're basically saying man you're the dude you're the dude to end this war and you can help us end the war because your America sucks right now. And at this time, the British were winning really. They were, they were doing a lot of things. Uh, They were kicking ass kind of at this time, this letter reaches other Patriots and leaders for the American cause. So it wasn't just sent to Benedict. This was sent to a bunch of people and they was like, insert name here, copy paste, insert name. One of these was Ethan Allen Mm. who was back and was ready to hand over Vermont to the British. He agreed to hand over Vermont to the British. A string of trusted American patriots were already working for the British. I don't recognize any of these names, but it's super interesting. Benjamin Church was the director of the first American Army Hospital, was a paid informer of General Gage in Boston. Metcalf Bowler, the Chief Justice of Rhode Island, and William Heron was a member of the Connecticut Assembly. They were supporting the British. Edward Fox. Uh, was a treasury in Philly, offered procure information and received payments from the British for insider intel. William Rankin was a colonel in a militia in New York, Pennsylvania. He was an informer. General Charles Lee was an experienced British, British officer who wanted Washington's post. He was taken prisoner by the British and he had a secret plan to end the revolution by giving the British insider intel. So, this was all a ploy to use Arnold for information to benefit the British. They really wanted to end the war. So Arnold really liked the letter. Really liked it. It made sense to him. Congress is It kind tugs of, on
1: all the right heartstrings.
0: Yeah, it's like perfect wording, right? Yeah. Congress isn't doing anything. Everybody's dying. Arnold firsthand knows he's got to put coats on these guys' backs. They don't have guns. He knows. So he really liked the letter and viewed it as a way to end the war and restore the America that he loved more free and without direct British intervention. So, he agrees to aid the British with intelligence, but knows what is at stake. He wants to be rewarded big time for his help. He won't help until he knows what he'll get in return. But the British refused to tell him what he would get up front. So, all the letters were written in code, in case someone intercepted them or were written in invisible ink. He began sending information on the Continental Army's position and plans. Benedict Arnold agreed to this because at this point in the war, it looked like the British may win in Arnold's view. This was a way to reduce bloodshed as the British letter manipulated Arnold into thinking that he would be saving lives. Mm. When Arnold asked what the British plans were, he was turned away. They didn't trust him. Yeah. Sending these letters and, and affording this communication was a man named John Andre, who was the dude in Philadelphia who stole, uh, a bunch ben of stuff Franklin. from Benjamin Franklin's yeah. house and yeah he was um he was also at the battle of montreal who he was allowed to flee benedict allowed him and his mm. men to flee um and get out of there uh so pretty interesting his it's important to note that during this time benedict has no income he has no commission and his wife is expecting their first child even as this was going on he was trying to get a naval command He writes to Washington that his surgeons feel his leg would heal faster and stronger if he has the frequency of, quote, bathing in salt water and voyages to the sea. (laughs) He wanted to serve his country and support his family, right? Yeah. It's just ridiculous. He just wants to get out so bad, and he's just making shit up at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, whatever you got to do to manipulate to get what you want. Yeah, he's trying. In 1780, a desperate and angry Arnold sent General Clinton key details about Charleston. The British took over the city, which was a key blow to the Americans. Benedict saw no benefit from this. General Clinton was the guy in the British who he's sending letters to. Yeah. At this time, Congress came back to him and said that he owed the treasury 1,000 pounds. So now he's basically done. Still 100% done. He's been done before, but now he's like, I'm done. I'm really, really done. He spent his own money funding the war and won't be reimbursed. His whole life is a shit show because of politics. His family's right. in danger because his wife is uh, a proclaimed loyalist. She was known to be a bit of a persuader. Benedict decides that to end the war, the British must take West Point. Washington described West Point as the key to the continent. It was a powerful fort and strategically placed for shipping and defense on the Hudson River. Mm -hmm. The Americans spent years, years fortifying this place. In 1778, they stretched a 1,700-foot-long iron chain across the river. Each link of the chain weighed about 90 to 120 pounds. It was attached to a series of logs on both sides of the river, and the chain hung underneath the water at the right depth, and it just tore apart enemy ships that attempted to pass to get to the fort. Yeah. Fort Arnold, named after Benedict, was built at the end of the West Point plain. The fort was basically impenetrable and had the latest military tech, uh, what West Point did. It was also protected by a bunch of, a series of other forts, and it's just the whole area was a stronghold. If it fell to British hands, the war's over. It's, it's checkmate. It's done. Mm-hmm. Benedict Arnold began a campaign to gain command of West Point. He wrote to his old friend Philip Schuyler and other delegates in Congress and laid out why he was the ideal candidate to command. Schuyler met with Washington and recommended Benedict for command of West Point. Washington was prepared to grant Benedict command of West Point following two meetings in a series of letters from Schuler. So people are backing him up, saying, let's, let's go to West Point, bud. <laughs> all the while, all the while, Mr. Corey, he's writing letters to the British informing them of Washington's plans and the French deployments and what they're up to. This was obviously extremely risky for Benedict, and he has yet to see any profit or benefit. The British aren't doing shit for him. He's, just, he's pretty stupid, at, honestly, <laughs> at this point.
1: Yeah, he's just grasping for straws. He's
0: trying to do anything, anything just to like make it in life at this point. He requested £10,000 for his services to pay off his debts and, and a bit of profit. He then sent insider information on West Point and that if the British sent their troops three miles south of the fort on the river, there's a really great road. You could just take your cannons right up that road and you could, you could attack the fort pretty good. So further details were not sent unless they began to pay. So he told them about this road, but he doesn't say anything else. Arnold would add in a letter to John Andre that, quote, people were tired of the war and wished to be on their former footing. Andre would respond and asked for more specific details about West Point, but did not mention any form of payment. Andre suggested that Benedict send a plan on West Point that would throw himself off the trail. So if it was intercepted, it was like, you know, how could Benedict have sent this information over? Right. So the Americans won't find out who did, who, who did it and, um, to like kind of sway Arnold to give him the details. Basically, yeah. the British are trying to play him for all the info they can get uh, while trying to sound like they're on his side and sympathize with him. But they're not willing to pay the man. Arnold grew impatient with those games, so on July 15th, he wrote to Andre stating that he wanted £20,000 for any information on West Point. Upfront, he wanted a salary per year for life and continuing to his sons should he die, and he wanted £1,000 sent to his, quote, agent. I don't know who that was. He planned to retire and leave the Army on July 20th in five days. So basically said, you got five days, give me this money. Or I'm out of the army and I'm done. He then wrote to Congress telling them they owed him four years' salary. He asked for four months in advance to purchase horses and equipment so he could take the field of battle. They accepted this request.
1: Hmm.
0: <laughs> Good guys. Good guys of Congress. Yeah. Finally, they did. They gave him what he finally wanted. At the same time, the British agreed to pay £20,000 to Benedict and they offered him a general's commission in the British Army, but the plan had to succeed. If it failed, he would not be paid. So now, things are looking pretty good. (laughs) He's got some money from Congress. He's got an IOU from the British. He's got a general's commission in the British Army. The British are going to win the war. It's just got to work. He's also like, fuck fuck the Americans, because this is not America anymore. Mm -hmm. In his view, Washington and Arnold met, at which point Washington appointed him command of West Point's left wing, which was a post of honor. Basically, it's command of West Point. On August 3rd, he sent out to take charge of his new command. Even at this point, the British didn't trust Arnold. He's doing everything that they want. You got command of West Point. It's going to send plans. We don't trust you. There was reason to believe that he was still working with Americans who would double cross them. But Arnold was truly in. He was truly going to work with them. His financial future, the future of his children and family was at stake. So Benedict arrived at West Point and went to work. He saw that maintenance would not be kept up on. And he sent word about the road the British could use to haul cannons up to attack the fort. He saw that the garrison was reduced He sent word that the chain in the river needed repairing, so it was taken out of the river. This would allow British ships to sail up and attack. He sent cannons off to be, quote, repaired. He sent 500 soldiers off fort to go cut wood, gather supplies for the winter. He sent a bunch of other troops uh, to other forts around the area and basically, the officers at those forts were like, dude, we don't want, what are you doing? There's like yeah. not enough men, room for all these men. Why are you sending us 200 men? This is like room, this is a tiny home. Yeah. Uh, this is essentially all out treason at this point. He's a treasonous yep. bastard at this point. <laughs> he would send further information to General Clinton, the British leader that he has opened up communication with about Washington's plan to attack. The British would be ready to defend that area and they thwarted the American attempts. So George Washington told Benedict, I'm going to attack this place. And Benedict's like, General Clinton, Washington's going here. And so he went back. The British beat Washington. I can't remember what the, I didn't write it down where that was. Was still in the thick of things with the Americans. He was taking meetings, communicating, performing his duties. He had his wife Peggy, and infant son, sent to West Point because he felt it was safer for them than back in Philadelphia with all the radicals and everything going on there. All this time, these letters going back and forth, John Andre and Benedict have never met. That's who he's communicating to. He's sending these letters via letter boy to John Andre. John Andre is sending these letters back via letter boy to Benedict. They've never met. Right. Right. It's all words, which is crazier. So after many attempts, they were finally able to sneak a secret meeting in the woods near West Point. During this meeting, The British offered Benedict 4,000 less pounds than he promised. He flipped a shit, and he basically was walking away, and he's like, no, never mind. And they obviously, Andre was like, no, all right, you got it. You got it, bud. Arnold had brought with him eight documents outlining West Point's detailed defense system, but he had no map of West Point. After further discussion through the night about West Point and how to attack and what they can do and when, the sun began to rise and Andre had to try to rush off. Unfortunately, he couldn't get back to his boat in time due to the tide. Arnold would sneak him back to his home nearby and send Andre off the next night in disguise with the West Point plans. He sent him off with one of his aides, who was a lawyer. His last name was Smith. So he sent Smith and Andre off to go sneak Andre back past American lines into British territory because right now okay. they're in American territory and if Andre gets stopped he's a British guy right he's fucked they're going to yep. be like why are you here you know he's a, he's a British general actually he's a general um he's second command to Clinton so he put him in disguise sent him with one of his aides smith to lead him back okay so that was September 21st through the night into the 22nd the days are important now. Washington was re- to return to West Point on September 25th, three days after the secret meeting. Arnold sent Andre back to the British with the West Point plans in his stocking on December 20- September 22nd during the night in disguise. Like I said, he was behind enemy lines. Washington was to have breakfast with Arnold and Peggy on the 25th alongside other officers in the American Army. When they were nearly at Arnold's home, Washington decided to stop and check out the refurbishments across the river at West Point for the chain. He told them to not hold breakfast for him. He would join them soon. Peggy let the American officers in, and they and Arnold chatted as breakfast was to be made. So Arnold's like full on treason, and he invites all the highest ranking officials in the army in for breakfast. And they're just talking. La, la, la. Ha, ha, ha. Mm, yes, eggs. Eggs Benedict for me, sir. Please, thank you. Did you guys catch that meeting at the Masonic
1: Lodge a couple weeks ago? Man, that was crazy.
0: Oh, that
1: was a good one. That Talking was a about good one. carriages and stuff, mm. you know? Carriages, yes, of ivory and jerking off. Huh? What? <laughs> no. Go on. Nothing, Peggy. No, nothing. <laughs>
0: They, they let him in. They're all talking, small talk, yaddy, yada, yaddy. Peggy went upstairs to feed their infant son. So she's like, all hey, right, let the boys talk. Saturday's for the boys. Then a knock came on the door. It was Colonel Solomon Allen. He had a letter. Arnold read it privately. The contents were from John Jameson, second in command at North Castle, first of his name. It stated that John Anderson was stopped on his way to New York with suspicious documents of a very dangerous tendency. Tucked in his stocking with explicit details on West Point, as well as insider info on a council that Washington held, the letter stated that he was sending John Anderson to Benedict's home, but the documents he was carrying were being sent straight to Washington himself. Arnold dashed to his servants and ordered them to bring him a horse. Then, He rushed upstairs to tell Peggy that he was joining the British and leaving at once, and she fainted. (laughs) Just as he was putting her to bed, a servant of Washington came in and said the commander-in-chief would be arriving momentarily. He had a doctor sent to Peggy and left a message for Washington that he would be off to West Point and back in one hour. He got outside and no horse was waiting for him, so he took the horse that Colonel Allen came in on and rode toward the (laughs) river. It's reversed back to when John Andre left. John Andre rode out with the plans that night with a guy, the lawyer, the aide, last name Smith, who worked with Arnold. He took him as far as he could past several barricades, but then had to turn back. Smith did, because they were entering a neutral territory that could be anybody, British or whatever. He's like, "Eh, I'm, I'm good at this point. So you can go on your own. Here's a map. He was in neutral grounds, Andre was, but he had to find his way back on his own now. He was five miles from his destination when he stopped to look at his map and he was approached by three local militia duty who were protecting travelers from being robbed. Mm. These guys weren't in American militia clothing. Instead, one of them was in stolen British wear that the guy, (laughs) his name was Paulding, used to escape a British prisoner camp. So seeing that Paulding was wearing a British coat and cap John Andre was like, fuck yeah. Hey bro. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Hey, man, my glad to see you. I've had the craziest <laughs> night, you know, yes. I just, the craziest thing was happening. Put a cup of tea on for me. <laughs> I have the craziest plans. No, he didn't say that, but he saw it and he, he stated that, Hey, I'm a British officer. Uh, he showed them his gold watch that signified he's a general and Paulding replied. We're Americans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fuck yeah! Coming along to save the motherfucker day now, America. <laughs> America. Oh. Fuck yeah! You the same? Benedict Arnold, suck <laughs> on my balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: god! <laughs> NASCAR. Fuck yeah! Intercourse. Fuck yeah! Books. F- fuck yeah! <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> it's part of the song, man. They start saying, what does he say? Like books. Fuck. Yeah. There's oh, like one book? guy in the back.
0: I've yeah. <laughs> 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 seen that in so long. It's a great movie. Team it's America. Hilarious, Cause I was just, yeah, I was just thinking about that earlier though. And I was thinking, singing that song in my head driving because I just finished writing this and I was just like America. Anyways. Yeah. He said, we're Americans. Andre said his name was John Anderson. And showed a pass signed by Benedict Arnold, an effort to continue riding. His, his argument at that point was like, uh, I was on a diplomatic meeting with Benedict Arnold, commander of West Point, and I'm on my way back now. Uh, nothing to see here. Muskets were pointed at him by these men, though. They ordered him off his horse and said, damn Arnold's pass, and demanded mm. his money. Wow. Because he's, he's a British. They searched Andre. These guys were not, I don't think, it didn't sound like they were affiliated directly with the American Army. At this point, uh, they're yeah. on neutral grounds. I don't know. I think they kind of like, I don't know what they're doing. Um, so they searched Andre upon undressing. The men noticed a bulge and Andre's stocking. Uh, oh yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. The documents, right. The documents, right. The dick documents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you see? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're like, you know, um, Let's get it on. They pulled out the <laughs> documents, and Paulding could read. The other two could not, and he noticed that Andre was a spy because of mm-hmm. what was on the papers. Andre panicked and offered everything that he had in exchange, like, dude, take my horse, take my clothes, take my gold watch. Um, just give me the plan, give me the documents, and I'll get out of here. I'll also, you know, I'm with the British. I'm a general. I'll give you all the money you would ever want. Just let me go. The men instead took him to an army post. They took him to Colonel James Jameson at North Castle. Jameson figured that the documents were stolen. He insisted that Andre be delivered to Arnold and the documents be returned to Washington. The documents were written entirely in Benedict Arnold's handwriting. Mm. I, you can't get it stupider than that, though. Like, no. like if you're going to cause high treason as one of the bi- all these letters to Washington, you're going to write your treasonous backstabbing whatever in your own handwriting. It's like his it's like his ego, though, like who's going to catch
1: me like I'll write it myself. It's part of his whole thing of I'm going to just do the shit myself. I'm going to take action. I'm going to do it myself. And yeah, like who's ever going to catch me? Nobody. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, because why wouldn't he have some other person write? I'm sure he knew other people who could write that were in his court. So yeah, he did. He so that
0: Smith, that Smith yeah. guy that right, um, took Andre as far as he could. He was with them during the meeting, keeping watch, so he knew what was going on. Yeah, why not have him write it? You know, right. I don't know exactly what he was thinking, but what a what a horror! I mean, whatever. Yeah, we're on the American side. We're Americans, so. You want to, like, after this whole story, you want to be, like, sympathized with this guy in a way. But at the same time, if he, if he did this, this worked out, which yeah. we'll get into. I've sort of sympathized with him up until this point when he starts
1: fucking over, like, Washington. Because George Washington's been his biggest supporter and biggest ally. Yeah. And right. he's legitimately, like, he's screwing Washington over. He is getting Americans killed. He's losing battles for the Americans. He's sabotaging American defenses. Like I've had a lot of sympathy up until now. Like, do I get it? I sure do. Do I like it? I sure don't. Um, and am yeah. I, I'm at the point listening to the story. I like, I want to know how, how it's going to end obviously, but I'm like, fuck this guy. He like, he, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You asked me two weeks ago and i have been like, man, Benedict Arnold, what a guy. And then now it's like this dude's a piece of shit because he didn't get what he wanted and he whined and cried, but he, I don't know, man, he got fucked over a lot, but he's fucking over his best friend. like George Washington. uh, Not
0: cool. Dude. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, he's going after the dude that has always had his back. He's had his back. And that that is the most surprising and disappointing tragedy of it. Yeah. His, His life is a tragedy. There's no other way around it. And if you think about his life, who does it remind you of? Does it remind you of anybody and everything he's been through? Mm, I, no one that I can come up with, but you're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you. I thought maybe at the last episode, dude, it's fucking Anakin Skywalker. Mm, yeah. Okay. I see right? that. So yeah. he's a fictional character. Obviously, this is make, not whatever, but. He was trying to get all these appointments, and Congress was like, "We we finally appoint you to major general, but you don't have seniority over anybody, right? We'll grant you a seat on this council,
1: but not the rank of master."
0: Exactly, and he was the best warrior. He was the best leader. Mm-hmm. He gave no shits. He was going in and doing things for the betterment of what he thought was a good cause, right. and then the politics and the dysfunction within those men and the greed turned around and continued uh, to fuck him. Yeah, it's a good point. So and And he turned on Obi-Wan. Washington, yeah. Yeah, his and brother. That's the real tragedy because he he finally started to view Washington as just one of the dudes because Washington yeah. promised him, you're gonna have your name cleared and your honor restored. Right. And even though Washington is like, I'll see to it that you are restored, Benedict was like, No, I have nothing at this point. I have nothing. You gave me this military thing. It was a huge fucking mistake. You won't give me a navy appointment. You won't let me join the army. Finally, he gave him West Point, but at that point, it was too late. So I don't at this. Yeah, I don't sympathize with what he do, he's doing. But if we put ourselves back in that moment, now we have perspective because it's in yeah. history books, and it's easy to tell a story and have an opinion. In that moment, though, he doesn't know what's going to happen. No, he's trying to do well, what's best like Anakin. for his family.
1: And didn't know either.
0: Yeah, what's best for his family. And George
1: Washington sitting there like, "You were my brother Benedict. I loved yeah. you.
0: You were supposed to defeat the British, not join them." That's literally what it is. <laughs> That's literally what it is. And he's like, "I hate you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, can't do it. <laughs> it's very interesting when I made that connection i was like huh yeah that's
1: like a perfect even though anakin is fictional it's like i can totally relate yes. and connect that dot 100 percent.
0: yeah we, it's such a let's continue okay yeah uh yeah. these documents were were entirely in benedict's handwriting washington's intelligence chief noticed it right away he's like that's benedict arnold's writing and suspected treason and said that andre would not be sent to arnold's home Jameson refused to send orders to arrest Benedict. Jameson, they didn't go into this, but James Jameson, leader of the North Castle, he was acting real weird, I guess. Mm. And he wasn't like, nah, it's not Arnold. Like something's going on. Uh, I don't know what was going on, but he like didn't want to arrest Arnold. So at this point, Arnold's took a horse and he's fucking gone. Yeah. Uh, George Washington arrived at the Arnold home shortly after Benedict fled. He was told Arnold went to West Point And Peggy was ill. At this point, no one knows at the house. No one knows what's going on. Yeah. The letter. The news hasn't come yet. Yeah. Yeah. Puzzle pieces are still everywhere. He had George Washington uh, had a hasty breakfast and decided to go meet Benedict at the fort. When he arrived, they stated that Arnold hasn't been to West Point in two days. Of course, he was away meeting with John Andre in secret. Washington decided to further inspect the fort's defenses and found them in complete disarray. Walls were broken, wheels were rusted, magazines were half empty. When he asked what was going on, the West Point men stated that Arnold sent away most of the troops and then added projects for the remaining troops to take on impossible tasks. Around 4 p.m., Washington went back to the Arnold house and was given the documents found on John Andre. Upon learning of the documents, Alexander Hamilton, who was also there, rode to try and catch Arnold. Hamilton, a, he's another fucking screwball. Um, <laughs> so John Andre was taken to South Salem, at which point he wrote to Washington and confessed his true identity. At this point, they thought he was John Anderson, whoever that is. But he's like, no, yeah. I'm John Andre, a major general of the British Army who was on a mission of truce to gain intelligence. That's why I'm behind enemy lines. In exchange for his release, he offered the names of other treasonists within the American army. At this point, Washington saw the handwriting and knew that Benedict had committed treason. He states, Arnold has betrayed us. Who can we trust now? Orders were given to arrest Arnold and bring him back, unhurt. Ten ships were immediately sent to fortify West Point. Benedict was already an hour south when Washington received the letters. He rode to his bargeman, who he ordered to row him down the Hudson River towards the British ship, the Vulture. Waving a white flag handkerchief attached to his cane, the ship didn't fire upon him. He boarded the ship and informed the captain who was in on the meeting between John Andre and Benedict and what was going on, that Andre had been captured. He then yelled down to his bargeman My lads, I have acquitted the rebel army and joined the standard of his Britannic (laughs) Majesty. Arnold offered them all commissions in the British Army, promising one man named Larvie a higher rank and more money. Larvie states, No, sir, one coat is enough for me to wear at a time. Damn. Two men did agree and joined the British. The others were taken prisoner. They were later uh, taken away and given parole still really fucked up i mean that's fucked up you have your boys row you down the river you're this waving your cane with a handkerchief and he's like yeah i quit (laughs) just yells down at you yeah yeah and you're just like the vulture was a big british ship Uh, It had to be intimidating for those guys so the vulture sailed down the hudson away from arnold's family friends and former commanders There was talk that Arnold had planned to have the attack on West Point and have Washington and his officers captured because he knew Washington was coming shortly after the plans were given to Andre. He wrote to Washington while aboard the Vulture, stating, I have ever acted from a principle of love to my country since the commencement of the present unhappy contest between Great Britain and the colonies. The same principle of love to my country actuates my present conduct. However, it may appear inconsistent to the world, which very seldom judges right of any man's action. I ask no favor for myself. I have too often experienced the ingratitude of my country to attempt it. Basically, I don't want anything from you. You guys have never really paid me back for all the sacrifice I made for the country. Yeah. And no one's going to judge me fairly because they don't judge anybody fairly. Right. So fuck it. It's just, I'm... I'm in the
1: thinking of him as Anakin. Now I'm just in the sad, like, you know, yeah. things could have been a lot different. Dude, for sure.
0: Things could have been a lot different. The crazy part of it is things could have been different for a long time. They could have done many things. They Washington could have, could have appointed him to a Navy position and none of this would have happened. And who knows yeah. how the war would have gone from there. Congress could have supported him more. They could have been less of a dick. Then again, as much detail have we gone into his life, these are just instances and, and things that happened. We don't know. You know, sometimes you meet someone and you're just like, yeah, I don't know something about you. is just weird. But the men yeah. loved him, you know? Right. Uh, and it seemed to be just a bunch of politics. The
1: proof was in the pudding that him as a leader, he was a good leader, but he couldn't do the politics. Yeah. And that got the best of him.
0: Sure. I think so. Yeah. And things could have been very different. You know, the guy was, John Andre was five miles from his destination when he just stopped and looked at a map at the wrong time, at the wrong point. But just the right point for us. Right. Because we know from reading this and you know, if John Andre got those plans back to the British. Yeah. It's on. It's fucking done for America because right. ev- West Point was just a shell. Right for the and picking. And no one knew. Right for the picking. And then it's it's over. It's, it was a main shipping, main trading, fortified military spot for the Americans. It was pretty much yeah. their last, in a way, their biggest last stand. Uh, it could have been very different. Um he he wrote to Washington on that he went on to further ask for Peggy to be released and no harm done to her, as she knew nothing, as well as his aides, who knew nothing. He took responsibility for John Andre, stating that it was all Benedict's, it was all his idea, and he lured Andre into it, which was not true. He's taking the blame. John Andre was escorted with heavy guards to Arnold's old home, where Washington was. The British pleaded for his release, stating that it was all Arnold's doing and Andre was following Intel. So there was probably some sort of like, hey, just say, you know, British is like, hey, Arnold, write and say, it's all your idea. We got your back type of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peggy was in distress. She was wild, dude. She was wild and out. She was screaming. She woke up. She fainted. She woke up saying she was people were trying to kill her and her baby. She has no friends or family left. And. Her husband's gone to the British and blah. Yeah. So Washington knew her, knew her and he was sent in like, hey, Washington, go talk to this like crazy lady. And right she's losing her mind. He was sent in to try to talk to her. But when he entered the room, Peggy did not recognize him. And she continued her fright. Blah! Her gown dropped from <laughs> her shoulder and Washington got embarrassed and left the room. <laughs>
1: Fucking George, man.
0: Oh, good dear. Oh, she's
1: fucking George. Oh,
0: excuse me. I must go to the Masonic Lodge. Aaron Burr, who was a founding father, would later state that Peggy was in on the whole thing and was this, this craze was all an act. Yeah. She was, after all, a loyalist.
1: That's what I had read, was Peggy was a big part of his treason, the treasonous act. She convinced him to do it. He had already had all these things were stacked against this pillar and Peggy basically like in the pillar had been chopped away at the bottom and she just kind of
0: yeah, <laughs> pushed
1: and sent it <laughs> over the edge.
0: Yeah. And this, the, the, the reading that I did didn't really dive into it, but I have heard that too, that she had a big, big part to play in his kind of like everyday sweating and talking shit. Yeah. She's her family were loyalists. Um, yep. so, more more most of those closer to peggy said that she was innocent so who knows washington gave her the choice to return to philly or go join arnold she chose philadelphia hmm. so a lot of people think had she had she been complacent with the whole thing and been part of it she would have gone rushed to arnold's side she right didn't. so the whole country went crazy at the news of arnold's treason his old town of Norwich, where he was born, was especially vicious. They overturned his father's grave. Damn. They burnt his name and name and effigy. In Philadelphia, effigies of Arnold and Satan were paraded through the town, and both were burnt. Europe erupted at the news. Confidence in the American cause flattened. Quote, since the fall of Lucifer, nothing has equaled the fall of Arnold. Wow. States an old friend of Arnold. John Andre was to be executed on October 1st. General Clinton of the British continued to plead for his release. Clinton sent a consoling letter to Washington on Andre's behalf saying, Oh, he didn't mean it. He's not up. He's nothing to do with this. He was just riding a horse. He's he's it was a peaceful mission at the same time. Clinton forced Benedict to write a threatening letter to Washington, basically stating that if anything happens to John Andre, I'm going to send my army and destroy you. Washington was unmoved. His execution of John Andre was delayed, but nonetheless, John Andre was executed via hanging in front of a large crowd. George Washington was close by, but had his shutters on the house shut to avoid seeing the sight. Two days after the execution, Congress had Benedict Arnold's name stripped from the list of officers. Mm. Five days after the execution, Arnold writes an open letter to America stating why he did what he did. He refers to loyalists and other Americans suffering, that class of men who are criminally prolonging the war from sinister views at the expense of the public interest. Congress is prolonging this war and the boys are dying. Everybody's dying. He reminded them of his fighting and his sacrifice in the war for the American cause. He goes on to state that he is American by heart, but agreed that in order to end her suffering, the rule of the British should be reenacted. The letter raised interesting points, but the uproar didn't go away. He later offered officership to any American officers who were unhappy in their current rank. Though there were many, many officers that were unhappy, their big threat was to quit and go home, but they didn't want to join the British. John Adams would confess, quote, there was not a moment during the revolution when I would not have given everything I possessed for a restoration to the state of things before the contest began. I added that because it shows that everybody, not everybody, but a lot of these people that are higher up, thought that the war was just a horrible thing to be continued on. And if they could, if they knew where they're going to be at in this situation, they would have let Britain done what they wanted to do because things were bad, but it wasn't this bad. It's like a Boston massacre every day now. Yeah,
1: But that's, I mean, that's what war is. War is hell and it always will be. And it always was. And I don't think a lot of those guys knew that at that time. Um, they thought, well, yeah, we'll throw some tea into the harbor and we'll tell the British to, yeah. and I quote Benjamin Franklin, take your shit home and suck it. And you know, they, they didn't. And then that's what happens. People die. So yeah, they probably all were like, I would have been all right with, if we wouldn't have went to war. But I mean, good thing that the, the right people persevered. Cause at that point there was no going back. And if the British would have taken back over, it probably would have been really bad. It would have been worse because there would have been like the rebellion from the Americans and they would have had to teach us a lesson. Exactly. Yep. They spank them, spank, spank the bad colonists.
0: And you know, those guys never saw war. John Adams, Thomas, Jenner, they didn't see war. So
1: I think like with Washington, he he was the only one out of the main group of founding fathers that that, I mean, that I know of, and I could be wrong. He was the commander in chief he was with the boys and John, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, John Hancock, like all of these guys had an idea like, yeah, I want to be free. But a lot of these dudes were like businessmen and they didn't want to be taxed anymore. They didn't know what it meant to suffer on the battlefield and get shot with a musket or blown up by a cannon or like the horrors that that all entailed. And so, yeah, I mean, (laughs) they don't know. Washington was out the they one out there doing the shit. And he did it with a heavy heart. Like, he didn't want to do it.
0: Because he was, he fought for the British. I wonder if yeah. people in Britain are like, yeah, hey, fuck George Washington. That guy's a treasonous bastard. Because he kind of, yeah, I mean, in a way, <laughs> he was, absolutely, he was treasonous. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure that those, Tom, our, our founding fathers, the guys that wrote and signed the Declaration, were looking at it from a lens of, monetary things and economic and freedom, economics and political freedom. Yeah. Uh, which is good. And then to now get, we're here to, to get. Yeah. Well, yeah. And to get people on board. It was like freedom of speech, religion, blah, blah, blah yada, yeah. yada. We are here. Here we are. So the British never trusted Arnold. Once he got there, they were upset that John Andre was executed and Arnold was seen as a failure. The plan failed. They're not taking West point. Still, he was given command of 1,500 soldiers to march against Washington's Virginia and his home state of Connecticut. Those men didn't like Arnold. The officers didn't like Arnold. They were disgusted at his betrayal. Mm. Still, he led them into battle and was pretty successful. Even the British were like, dude, it's too far, man. You are kind of a dirty fucking snake. Yeah. He, He was successful in battle, though. He was successful enough for Washington and Thomas Jefferson to put a bounty on his head. The British were eventually defeated in Virginia, and Arnold returned to New York, where Peggy now was, and they expected their second child together. He was then chosen to campaign and lead troops into his home state of Connecticut. He led troops into capture New London. But the British sent the whole city up in flames. Hmm. This was not far from his hometown outraged Americans blamed Arnold though. He did not approve of the chaotic killing and burning of the town. So I think what happened is they took, they took over a bunch of ships and they just set them on fire. They didn't know that one of them was like just full of gunpowder and the ship blew up when the ship blew up, the whole fucking city went up in flames, but Arnold didn't say light everything on fire. He and his men took over the forts nearby The American colonel surrendered at the fort, but as he lowered his sword, he was stabbed. Arnold's men, the British, then began to bayonet the Americans and ransacked Fort Griswold. It was chaos. Hmm. These two campaigns were both successful, and Arnold managed to make it out alive despite the Americans trying to kill him from every angle. They were the only two campaigns that Arnold would lead for the British. On October 19th, 1782, General Cornwallis and his army of 10,000 surrendered at Yorktown. The Revolutionary War was over. Two months later, Peggy and Benedict sailed to England in exile. He would never see America again. Cornwallis was a passenger with him. Hannah, Arnold's sister, would stay in America with Arnold's two sons, who she basically raised as her own. Yeah. The king treated Benedict well and was compensated for his losses in America. He was granted land in Canada. Peggy was given a nice pension yearly, and her sons were given a pension yearly for life. They had two more sons and a daughter together. All of his sons went on to serve in the military. But the locals did not like Arnold. The Liberals hated his choices of treason, even if it was to their side. Peggy and Arnold would visit Canada, and Arnold began a shipping business there, which was successful. But his warehouse eventually burned to the ground. Peggy would visit Philadelphia once more to see her family, but all of her friends shunned her. The Arnolds eventually settled in London in 1791. War broke out in 1798 between France and Britain, and Arnold wrote to the Duke of York pleading to fight. His plan was to take the West Indies, was denied. Worse, he was no longer wanted. He told Peggy, quote, they will not give me a chance to seek a soldier's death. Hmm. He was 60 years of age. He couldn't sleep. He had many children, debts and injuries from war. He left his Canadian land to his oldest sons and his American estates, what was left of them, to Hannah. He became delirious. As he lay in bed dying, during one of his clearer intervals, he asked for his uniform. The uniform of Major General Benedict Arnold of the Continental Army. He had kept it and preserved it after all this time. He says, quote, I beg you. Bring me the epaulets and sword knots which Washington gave me. Let me die in my old American uniform. God forgive me for ever putting on another one. On June 14th, 1801, Benedict Arnold died full of despair and regret. And that is the end of Benedict Arnold. Thank you for tuning in these past couple of weeks as we explore the life of Benedict Arnold. This episode is kind of ending abruptly with the end of his life. Uh, we wanted to save the rest of the episode for next week because it was kind of a lengthy talk about all of our thoughts on his life and how it relates to now and the things that were going on back then and, and a lot more talk. So you'll have that as a separate episode next week. Before I, I leave this episode, I wanted to list the source for all this information. It's a book called The Tragedy of Benedict Arnold, An American Life, and this is by Joyce Lee Malcolm. Really great book. If you're interested in hearing more details about his life, there's a lot more going on than what we were even able to talk about in the past three episodes. So check it out. It's all over the place, Amazon, wherever you want to get it. So look forward to next week and uh, we'll be back then.